I'm reminded of a verse that Paul says, even in my own conversion, and when I turned to Christ, as Paul says, you know, I am always, as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Over the past several weeks, we've been looking at the book of Daniel, which is where we're going to be again today. We've been looking at Daniel, who when we were first introduced to him, made the life and death choice to follow God, no matter what the consequences were. He was young, he had ambitions, he had potential, and he had chosen to become steadfast. Steadfast is going to be the title of our message today. Daniel chose to be steadfast. Now, the word steadfast has this idea of firm or um, resolute, unmoving, unwavering. When I look at our world today, I look at our nation, I probably don't know about you, but I don't see a lot of steadfastness. I see a lot of shifting back and forth. I don't see a lot of uh, standing for one thing or the other. I, I feel like our current situation is one you will look and it seems like people are moving from one position to another, back and forth and back and forth. And how often do we find ourselves moving from one position to another in life? Whether it's politics, jobs, relationships, why do we move so much? Is it because we're growing and maturing? Or is it because standing firm is one of the most difficult things in life to do? So last week we looked at Daniel's life. We looked at, he brought a message to the king, and we talked about King Nebuchadnezzar and his insanity uh, because he stopped looking towards God, and he refused to admit that God was in control, and he said, I am the king, and I am in control of absolutely everything. He would not look to God, and Daniel said, please, please humble yourself and turn to God because this will come, and it came to pass. Now, I don't think I have to mention how hard-headed the king had to be to go through those years of insanity. Think about it. In the king, in his own words, he says, At the end of days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven, and my reason returned to me. It took seven years of insanity, seven years to finally humble him, seven years of not getting the point, seven years of eating and living like a beast in the fields. And that's something to chew on. It took him seven years to finally get that point driven home. After his uh, death, his son Belshazzar actually takes the throne and uh, unwilling to learn from his father's mistakes in chapter 5, um, we, we see his uh, reign come up very quickly and then end very quickly. Have you ever heard the term, see the writing on the wall? That's chapter 5. That's where that comes from. Now, Daniel, again, is called forward because there's writing on the wall and there's a message that says you have been weighed and measured and you have been found wanting. And Daniel is the only one that can interpret this. So the king calls him up and Daniel interprets this because he's the only one. Even though Daniel is one of the high men in the court, he's the one that's been traditionally the one that's been able to answer all of these questions. For some reason, they still don't go to him first. He's called up and he answers everything correctly. So pick it up with me in Daniel chapter 5. We're going to go start in verse 29. We're, going to, we're kind of finishing that story and we're actually going to jump into today's story. So 5.29. This is near the end of this particular story. Then Belshazzar gave the command, and they clothed Daniel with purple and put a chain of gold around his neck and made a proclamation concerning him that he should be the third ruler in the kingdom. That very night, Belshazzar, king of the Chaldeans, was slain, and Darius the Mede received the kingdom, being about 62 years old. 
So Daniel is yet again promoted, even though in verse 17, if you look back, he says, I don't want your riches, I don't want your gold, I'm just here to tell the truth, and I'm here to stand for my God. But he still gets all of these promotions regardless, because that's what the king had promised him. Now at this point in life, Daniel is about 80 years old. Daniel is about 80 years old. So when we first started looking at Daniel, he was young. He was late teens, early 20s when he first started making his decisions to become steadfast. And now he has spent an entire lifetime of just refining that character. Daniel has been who he always is, and he is steadfast in his commitment, even as the kings that he is serving keep changing. The rulers keep changing. Daniel does not. Daniel stays steadfast in who he is. And there are some things that we can learn from having a steadfast character. And so today, my first point is going to be having a steadfast character means that people can know who you are. Having a steadfast character means that people can know who you are. For Daniel, this proves to be both a good thing, and soon we'll find out it's also a bad thing. Darius the Mede, the new king in town, begins his reign by setting up a new system of governance. So check out the first couple of verses. We're going to start in chapter 6. I'm going to read 1 through 3. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps, to be over the whole kingdom, and over these three governors of whom Daniel was one, and the satraps might give account to them, so that the king would suffer no loss. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps, because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. So yet again, Daniel stands out above and beyond the rest of the crowd because an excellent spirit was within him. And everything that he did, he did it with excellence. This is Daniel. This is who he is at his core. While it seems that God had rested favor upon his life, we can also learn that Daniel didn't do anything halfway. He was all the way. In my house, as we're trying to raise our children, we are trying to teach them that a job half done is a job that's not done at all. We're trying to tell them that you have to have excellence in everything that you do, that you have to finish what you start, that you have to actually put forth your whole effort, that they have to do their very best and have a good attitude. With our kids especially, it's have a good attitude. I don't know about yours. Um, even when it's something that they don't want to do. Now, I think it's clear from the text that this is who Daniel was. We can see this as it keeps coming up. I think he spoke the truth at all times that he was so steadfast in his character that nothing could be legitimately brought against him. And why do you think this was? Look at the next couple of verses with me. We're going to look at uh, uh, 6, actually it's 4 through 5. I put 5, um, but it's actually 6. So the governors and satraps fought to fi uh, sought to find some charges against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could no, find no charge or fault because he was faithful, nor was there any error or fault in him. Then these men said, We shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. So Daniel was so consistent and steadfast in his character that absolutely nothing could be brought against him. He'd been in public service now for a very long time. He'd been a full lifetime. You're talking early 20s, now he's in his 80s, at least in his early 80s, maybe a little bit older. And he's been in public service this entire time and they can't find anything to bring against him because he is so consistent and so truthful. That says a lot about his character. Now, the only way that they can actually bring something against him is through his own worship. Because he's so steadfast, they know who he is. They look at him and they say, you know what, maybe we have a loophole here. Maybe we have a loophole. Because you know what, having steadfast character means that people can know who you are both for good and for bad. They know who you are for both good and bad. 
So they get ready to conspire against him, and they know that he's consistent and that he can't be convinced to serve another god. They know that he is consistent in his character and in his worship. And in all reality, there's a good chance that this is the same lot of guys that brought the charges against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that we talked about a couple of weeks ago. There's a very good chance that's the same group. Now, we're not completely sure how long it took King Darius to be in this position. We're not sure exactly the full time frame of how long he had been seat of power and as the king. But we do know that it's been long enough that Darius now has some sort of feelings, some sort of respect for Daniel. Now, if you look over the next couple of verses, you're going to find that Daniel had been promoted from number three at the end of last chapter, um, and now it's being considered that he is going to be promoted to number one when the king is gone, and so he is going to be steadfast and that he is going to be the person that is in charge when the king's not around. He's, he's number two only because the king is around, but then when the king's gone, he's actually in charge of absolutely everything. He's been given pretty much absolute all power within the kingdom. And this is only possible if, and that's a very big if, if a large amount of trust has been demonstrated. Because the king has to be completely trusting in Daniel for when he's going to be over these affairs when he's not there. So let's pause for just a second. As you know, I like looking at the big picture. So here's my question. Who else have we discussed this year that was promoted to second in command like this? Who else have we discussed that was promoted to second in command like this? If you remember, it would be Joseph. Joseph was promoted second in command. What do you remember about Joseph? I remember that everywhere he went, he got promoted. Everywhere he went. But why? I want to say that it was his character. Joseph's character continually shone through, no matter where he was at, no matter who was in charge. At Potiphar's house, he was promoted because of that steadfast character. When he got falsely accused and put in jail, as a jailmate, he became in charge of the jail. Who gets promoted as a jailmate to be in charge of the entire jail? Joseph, because of his character, because of who he was. And then after he gets out of jail, he gets promoted as second in charge of the entire kingdom underneath Pharaoh. He shows the same character again and again. And for Daniel, it's his character that comes under attack. You see, this is what the officials come up to say. So six, uh, we're going to look at verse 6 and 7. So these governors and satraps thronged before the king and said thus to him, King Darius, live forever. And all the governors in the kingdom and the administrators, the satraps, the counselors and advisors have consulted together and established a royal statute to make a firm decree that whoever petitions any god or man for 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of the lions. This, of course, is a blatant lie because Daniel would have been one of these men that they had said agreed to and he did not. So this is a lie. Of course, it wouldn't have taken him long to find out because of his position. He's up pretty high in the food chain, uh, in the politics, so he knows things. Things go by him very quickly. So soon he's faced with the decision, and that's going to bring me to my second point today. His second point. Having steadfast character means that it will be tested. Having a steadfast character means that it will be tested. I would argue that men and women of quality are rare in our day and age. You might agree. In our day, we have bowed to our sin natures, making excuses for our sin, redefining what was once black and white as God's word describes and making it gray. Now what was once boundary fences, we use as hurdles 
to jump to the next thing, to keep going in our race towards what we want in our own selfish desires. It takes a true man or woman of God to stand, to become steadfast and unmovable when everyone else around you is moving. Daniel is in full knowledge of this decree and he makes his move. So let's look at the next couple of verses, 10 through 11. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home. And in his upper room, with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and he prayed and he gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since the early days. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. Okay, this point, the Bible very clearly says that this is his actions and this is not an accident. Daniel was so consistent that everybody around him knew what he did. And he knew very clearly what was going to happen if he continued to do what he'd always done. The Bible makes this extremely clear on purpose. He did it right in front of the window. I didn't just do it on purpose. I opened the window and made sure everybody could see me. This is who I am. This is who I'm going to be. He stood who he was in the face of real danger. Look at our culture today. If you look at your life, do you just go with the flow? Do you just go with what everybody else around you is doing? Or do you choose to stand for something? Do you stand for something? Do you, try on pers- uh, do you try on purpose not to take the easy path? Or do you try to blend in so you don't cause a fuss? Do you speak the truth? Do you go out of your way to tell others the hazards of the paths that they have chosen to follow? Daniel knew this was a trap for him. He clearly saw it. And he knew the expected outcomes. Look at verses 12 and 13. And they went before the king, talking about these guys that set the trap, and they spoke concerning of the king's decree. Have you not signed a decree that every man who petitions any god or man within 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of the lions? And the king answered and said, The thing is true, according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which does not alter. So they answered and said before the king, That Daniel, who was one of the captives from Judah, does not show due regard for you, O king, or for the decree that you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? O king, did you not? They approached the king like he forgot what he just did. O king, O king, did you not? They bring it up. And it's just like, those who would try to ensnare you in sin will always try to make you doubt what has been said. Those who would try to ensnare you in sin will make you doubt what has been said and what the consequences are. Remember what the serpent said to Eve back in Genesis chapter 3 in the garden when he spoke? It sounded a lot the same. Did God actually say, did did God actually say, there is a crafty, underhanded nature to his words? Now, when he is speaking to Eve, he went for a snare, a snare trap, and she fell for it. And now, in the same manner, these governors are trying to take over the king, and he falls for the same trap. Hook, line, and sinker. Falls right into it. Now, this story isn't actually about Daniel. Now, you know the story of Daniel and the lions. This isn't actually about Daniel. This is about the king. And I'm going to make my argument here. Because right now, Daniel is a rock. He's unmovable. Daniel has a very steadfast character. We know that since his 
early childhood, he has been steadfast and he's continual. But the king, the king hasn't learned anything yet about this. The king is still molding and he's still choosing his character. At 62 years old, he's still being formed by God. The king could be swayed. Daniel's influence had clearly taken effect on the king as the king has some sort of emotional connection to Daniel. I would argue that the king didn't just respect him, but that I think he looked up to him. I think the king looked up to Daniel. Daniel's unmovable character had caused the new king to take notice, and now he actually cared for Daniel. Now you see, having steadfast character means others will begin to look at you. Having steadfast character means others will begin to look at you. Now why do I think the king actually cared for Daniel? Look at the next couple of verses. We're going to look at 6.14 first. 14. And the king, when he had heard these words, was greatly displeased with himself. And he set his heart on Daniel to deliver him, and he labored till going down to the sun to deliver him. Now it would seem by this point that nothing can be done as to his actions. But if you'll notice, if nothing else, right here, if this is where it stopped, he would have great regard, personal responsibility for his employee. But it continues on. What happens continues forward. At this point, the men have come by and they've reminded the king of what he has said and that he needs to keep up his agreement with the law. So he's feeling obligated. But he says in the next verses, let's look at 16 through 17. So the king gave the command and they brought Daniel and they cast him in the den alliance. But the king spoke saying to Daniel, your God, whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. Then a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the signets of his lords, that the purpose concerning Daniel might not be changed. It would seem at this point that nothing can be done, and it's clear by the king's actions so far that he's clearly concerned because he's even given Daniel a, a, a best wishes. He's like, you know what, your God's going to save you. Nobody's ever come out of the lion's den alive, but I have faith. This story is about the king. The king is starting to have faith in God. Now, I think this event was more for the king, and I think you will find out more as well. Look at verse 18. Now the king went to his palace, and he spent the night fasting. And no musicians were brought before him, and his sleep went from him. Now, have you ever considered that what you are going through right now, have you ever considered that what you're going through right now is more for somebody that looks up to you than it is for you? Think about that. What you're going through right now, could it be more for somebody else that's looking to you than it is for you? I don't know about you, but when I come up to a hard situation that's frustrating or I can't conquer, I say, why me, Lord? Why now? Why this? I I look at things and I say, you know what, Lord, me. And I look at myself. Now, I've said it before, and I'm going to keep saying it again and again, that your life isn't all about you. This is especially true if you are a Christian, and even more so if you are a Christian that's committed to having steadfast character, to follow God no matter what. The people you interact with, your family, your co-workers, the people you talk to in town, they, like you and I, are people watchers, and they're watching you, and they're watching because you've said you're a Christian, and they want to see how you react, not just on the good days, but they're looking to see how you react on the bad days, when everything goes wrong, to see if your faith is real. Daniel may have been tossed into the den because of his steadfast faith, 
Daniel's there because of who he was. He wouldn't change his character, but he was on display because of it. And it was his captive audience, the king, that was watching and hanging on every single moment. The king can't be consoled, so he can't sleep. And at the first sign of daylight, the first opportunity, he starts running over to see how Daniel is. So pick it up with me in verse 19. The king arose very early in the morning. He went out in haste to the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried out with a lamenting voice to Daniel. The king spoke, saying to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Now the new King James that I'm reading here says lamenting voice. In the ESV, it says in a tone of anguish. Clearly at this point, the king is distressed. He's gotten no sleep. He has foregone all the usual pleasures that he could have had. What is truly telling of this entire event, of what's happening to the king and where he's currently at, is his statement, Daniel, servant of the living God. This is where the rubber meets the road. As the gods that he and his people would have been serving would have been idols, carved out of wood, made out of metal, and there is no comparing a piece of holy scrap metal to the living God. There's just no comparison. This has to be one of those heart-racing moments where the king has been up all night long. He's now run over and he's saying, Daniel, are you alive? And he's just waiting, waiting for a response, waiting to see what has happened. 21 through 23. Then Daniel says to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut up the lion's mouth so that they have not hurt me because I was found innocent before him. And also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. Now the king was exceedingly glad for him, and he commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no injury whatsoever was found on him because he believed in his God. So as soon as Daniel is brought up, all the conspirators are brought forth in the next couple of verses. They, their families, are all tossed in. And the Bible says that before they even hit the ground, they were all dead. So really, this message is a lesson on patience, and the lions learned patience by passing up one scrawny old guy and got a whole family. Oh, come on. Sorry, I'm that guy. No, this is a lesson on character. This is a lesson on character. This is how your character not only defines you, but it also affects everyone else around you. So read with me the king's decree. The guy that just had a decree a couple of verses ago that said, worship me only for the next 30 days. This is that guy. Now let's read his decree in the next couple of verses. 25 through 27. King Darius wrote, To all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell on the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree in every dominion of my kingdom. Men must tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. That's quite a change. For he is the living God. And he is steadfast forever. His kingdom is the one which shall not be destroyed. His dominion shall endure to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. Who has delivered Daniel from the power of the lions? I want to leave you a promise before we finish this message as we're wrapping this up. This comes from the New Testament. It says, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, be immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord, your labor is not in vain. Daniel's steadfast faith, his steadfast actions changed kingdoms. So the question I'm going to leave you with today is what will change because you chose to be steadfast? What will change? Who will you affect? Who is watching you right now? 
When life feels like it's falling apart, who is watching you and learning from your character? They're going to learn something good or they're going to learn something bad because you change. Because what's your words and actions, they have to line up. And if they don't, they'll see who you truly are. What will change because you chose to be steadfast? Let's close in prayer. Father, I do thank you for an opportunity to just look at your word and to know your character, that you never give up on us, that you want the best for us, and that you're working on us at any age. Lord, I ask that all who hear this message will choose to be steadfast, that they will choose to serve you no matter the consequences. I know it's not easy, and I know perfect character doesn't come in one day. It's a lot of little choices made over a long spread. Help each person here today to choose to be steadfast in just one little thing and help it to multiply. Help them to walk up against the stream of a nation that is going every single other way except for towards you. Father, help us to choose to worship you, to know you, to love you. It's in Jesus' name I ask these things. Amen.